Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to my weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here in Keep Canada Weird, my pal handsome Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore some of the more offbeat Canadian news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, which was recorded during the evening of June 14th, 2022, we consider a $5-dollarama, we tremble at a syringe attack, we uninstall the very costly COVID alert app, and we rage against a racist yearbook. So let's get into it. Handsome Aaron Airport, how are you doing over there with your newfound beard growth? situation oh it's it's weighing me down my neck is getting sore it looks it i've it we talked just last week and it was normal you got a lot of growth in seven days mister yeah it's called depression um well i can i can see your people who are listening don't see the look in your face you are dead serious what's going on with you (laughs) i was just delivering a deadpan joke i apologize i shouldn't uh... no that was that hit i was it is yeah um for real though Uh, what's new with you not much the beard is just um complete uh being busy and lazy and the bigger it gets the less i want to shave it because it's it's just this daunting chore that's ahead of me so Mm -hmm. um it's turning into this thing where it's like oh the longer it gets the less i want to do it and i'm just stuck with this big beard now wow you you found yourself in a situation for sure i wish you the best in that it's complicated um, anything new going on that you want to talk about? Anything bothering you or anything in the world captured your attention? The world. Oh, goodness. There's so much going on in the world. The price of Bitcoin is uh, interesting. What? It dropped, didn't it? I thought I saw yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's been dropping like crazy lately. Well, good, because I, I find it so weird. All this like Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, NFTs, mm-hmm. whatever those are, like all these kind of new financial things are just confusing to me. And they make me feel old because I don't get them. So I kind of want it all to fail. No, yeah, that, yeah, I'm like that with anybody who has success in anything. (laughs) Uh, I don't want it to affect people I know or love. Okay. Oh, you love me? I do. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but Bitcoin itself, again, makes me feel old, just like how I want a lot of the new video games to um, cease production. And I don't care uh, for them. Any new food trends as well, I'm not interested in. So you uh, you can't stand food trucks, probably? No, no, certainly not. Uh, Uber Eats, like delivery type services. Um, mm, you hate those. Actually, I shouldn't say that because I think I have ads for them. I support, <laughs> the, I support some of them. I'm just not exactly sure which ones. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Um, well, let's move on. I had a dentist appointment tonight. I had a very busy day, so I'm uh, a little frazzled. And that's why I think I need to shut one part of life in the world down and focus on what matters. And on Tuesday evenings, for me and for you, what matters is keeping Canada weird. Yes. We have a full card here. I'm going to title this episode, $5-Dollarama, A Syringe Attack, The Money Pit COVID App, and A Racist 
yearbook. So we got kind of a, again, uh, not falling on a theme this week. These are stories from different sides of the spectrum uh, in different genres altogether. Where are we going to start with this thing? Oh, wow. Um, Let's start with the racist yearbook. Mm -hmm. Yearbooks, I I don't know if they serve the same kind of social purpose they did when we graduated from high school, but I remember... Uh, the yearbook being such a big deal, almost like the last year of high school, like half the year was like um, people working out what their write up is going to be like under your photo, you'd have the little blurb about you and the different everyone was getting photos and their different groups at the end of the year, you would get your yearbook and we would take the yearbooks around and have everybody sign them. It was a very big thing at my high school. Did you have a, a bit? Was there a big yearbook scene in Glace Bay? I didn't pay attention to it. Um, really? No, I never cared much for yearbooks. I never bought one or, or you know, kind of saved any of the ones that I did have. Um, yeah, I, I just never had much um, interest in that. That surprises me because you're a social guy. I thought that would be something that would mean a yeah. lot to you. I, I remember my time in high school. I did... Um, in my senior year, like my graduating year of high school, I think I wrote write-ups, like people who couldn't come up with their own write-ups. I think I wrote write-ups for maybe like 10 friends, like Randy. I think I wrote his and a few mm-hmm. others. Um, but like a thing with the yearbook write-ups is you would always try to sneak in like in-jokes or maybe yeah. like references to like weed or liquor or partying a lot of yeah. my friends played in bands so you would have like a unique way to like reference their band or something or another thing that was big is initials so you would be like you know if i was writing your thing i'd be like hey, aaron remember all the great times we had with you know uh dc for donnie calabrese or something like that if you wanted to like reference friends so these kind of like in jokes were were a thing in yearbooks um Mm -hmm. but some some people in a montreal area school uh really blew it this year by taking these like um, cryptic messages and in jokes if you want to call that in a completely uh evil and inappropriate and disturbing way let me tell you the story about the unacceptable yearbooks at a montreal area school that had to be recalled due to a racist entry The Lester B. Pearson School Board is taking action after a student wrote a racist comment in the McDonald High School yearbook. It's removing the comment before returning the more than 900 yearbooks handed out. And Iman, what do we know about what was written? Well, Amanda, the racial slur was hidden. The text was six words separated by commas. And so the first letter of each word together spelt out a racial slur. I'm told this is why the administration didn't pick up on it before it went to print. On Friday, it was brought to their attention, and it was then that the principal at McDonald High School confiscated more than 900 yearbooks. But the head of a nonprofit that educates youth on racism says for the racialized students, the damage was already done. It's traumatizing for young BIPOC students to have racism thrown in their face day in, day out, In the media, they're hearing about these crazy stories all the time. Now they learn that someone that they go to school with, a school which is supposed to be a safe place, has these racist thoughts. So it's really disturbing. And my heart does go out for the students at that school, especially the young Black students. 
She says she's also surprised this happened because the school has done a lot to address this exact thing. In 2020, the Lester B. Pearson School Board set up a task force on racism and discrimination and worked with several cultural and community organizations. Its students have undergone workshops on diversity and inclusion, and the school board says it has been very proactive against racism. In a written statement, the school board said two students were responsible for the yearbook write-up and they're both facing disciplinary action. It also said the Lester B. Pearson School Board deplores the actions of the students involved and denounces racism and discrimination in all forms. We cannot let racist attitudes of any kind go unchecked. The director for the Center for Research Action on Race Relations says he commends the school for recalling all the yearbooks and says it is important to take action. In terms of ensuring how to prevent this situation from happening, and more importantly, to have a uh, you know a form of collective uh, process for re resolution and uh, reconciliation, because these are the things that can have very very long lasting damages and consequences if left unchallenged. The school board says all students will get their yearbooks back within a week once the racist entry has been removed. Amanda. All right. Thank you very much, Iman. So they don't say what was written in the yearbook, but based on the, the reporting, I've, letters, yeah, based on the reporting, seven words. Um, I thought it was six words. One sec. Let me, maybe you're right. I thought I saw uh, it was, one sec. yes, six words. Six, six letters or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it was six words. Their yearbook six entry letters, yeah. would have been six words separated by mm -hmm. commas with the first letter of each word being used in the code to be a yeah. racist slur. I think um, I think we both know what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, um, how can even a high school student think in any way that this is a joke or funny or that people wouldn't figure it out? Well, I'm, maybe they thought nobody would figure it out. I could see them kind of being dumb enough to think that nobody would eventually see it. But, and, and apparently nobody did until word got back to them that, that this was in there. But, but how did word get back to them? Cause here's a few scenarios. So they put this, uh, disgusting hidden word, uh, through their code in this write up. Okay. Um, how do other people find out? Do these, do these guys who did this go around the school kind of bragging and laughing that they were I able think, to pull it off? I think that's sort of probably what happened. Like, I don't know if they went around the whole school bragging, but they probably told a few of their friends like, oh, look what we did. And then they told a few friends and then it eventually got back to the administration and then they pulled the yearbooks. Yeah. So who do you think uh, fronts the cost of that? If the if nine hundred yearbooks, these generally are hardcover books that cost like uh, with inflation, they're probably like fifty bucks a pop. Mm, I don't I, know. I wonder if the if the school will pay for it or if the book publisher will eat that will eat that expense. Hmm, that's it. That's, I imagine the school will pay for it. That's how I see it playing out. These <laughs> kids sure. should be the, whoever's responsible should be paying. Should be their summer job should be paying for it. Um, yeah, I can't see how they'd pull that off, but I mean, oh man. Uh, if if they can grace you know that's who should ultimately pay for it but mm -hmm. i just don't know how they'd be able to to enforce that i guess either way it's a it's a horrific hideous uh situation um well it's uh, just also the the legwork and getting all the you know 
all of the yearbooks back, I imagine they had already, did they already distribute the books or? Oh yeah. It seems, it, it seems like the books were distributed and now are being like returned, like scrapped <laughs> and new ones yeah. being. And did they get all of them back? That's what I'm wondering. Like did oh. everybody who had one in their possession bring it back after they were recalled? Yeah. I wonder. Um, yeah, but it just what a mess, and it just, and it shows how um, a, I guess you'd call it a prank. They probably saw it as a prank, although I like I don't see it that way. But but it's a selfish, foolish prank that is just um, very upsetting, costing a mm -hmm. lot of people money, and I think these kids learned a pretty tough lesson. I hope. Yeah, hopefully. What what in terms of punishment went? towards these individuals or this one person whoever did it well what the, what can they do well i'm, I'm that's kind what of i'm wondering like I'm what's kind of, in their power to do like what what can they do yeah i'm kind of assuming that they're like seniors and like they're done school anyway yeah. and and uh -huh. they walk away from it free but if not it should be a pretty significant suspension but not that that's really a punishment i remember getting suspended for school and i was like sweet yeah, I I loved suspension. I remember I got I got suspended for smoking in front of the school. <laughs> I was doing it right in front of the principal's office's window, <laughs> and uh, and then he just came out. He's like, "You're suspended for three days." I'm like, "That's awesome." <laughs> yeah, sweet. I'll smoke at my place. I have an excuse to be home for three days. <laughs> like I'm not expected in class. Like, where's the punishment there? So you're so let's say you're administrator of the school, be it principal or you know senior in the school board. How do you what do you do to these kids if they're graduating? Like yeah. if they, well, maybe I don't know what would be in my power. Can um, you revoke like a like they're graduate they're graduating? But then you're stuck with them for another year. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Like I, I'm not. I just don't know enough about the power that a principal would have on on a student who's graduating and is already out the door like what i don't know what they'd be able to do yeah i it's, it's definitely a complicated situation but it's like when something like this happens like we talked in the early days of the series the whole situation with hockey pei it there was discussion of turning it into like a learning opportunity and making the best out of a nasty situation uh, I don't know how you do it in this case. Um, no, I don't know either. Yeah, this is pretty. That's that's crappy. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it's um, it's a shame that things like that pop up, and that people still, given the amount of public discourse that surrounds all of these topics, that there are still people in a high school that think it's appropriate to or yeah. acceptable in any way to do. Yeah, something like I don't that. know. Like, if you were gonna play a I don't know if you'd even call it a prank. It's it's pretty disgusting. But well, the, but the the jokes usually when the, when I was in school, the jokes we would try to sneak in would be more like something like, like either or, 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 or like something. sex related. Yeah, is yeah. what we it's would. It's usually like yeah, like I don't know, boner. Yeah, the first letter of each word would spell boner. <laughs> yeah, that would be something where I could see yeah. uh, my friends and I getting behind that. Yeah, I could probably convince you to do that today. I, yeah, I would. I know you would. <laughs> if you read the description of my show in Apple Podcasts, the first letter of every word is boner. 
yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on. So what we have now is I have one other dark story we'll save for later just to separate this. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about inflation? No. Do you want to talk about government um, malfeasance and wasting of money? No. We got to pick one or the other. Oh, you do? <laughs> <laughs> We're, uh, inflation or government um irresponsibility which do you think is okay well let's let's go to inflation then okay inflation's a hot topic right now it is a hot topic but a very interesting lens to look at inflation through is pricing of dollarama mm-hmm. uh, first of all let's get a pronunciation check i've always called it dollarama like dollarama how do you dollarama. say it? Uh, dollarama okay we're the same all right. Uh, I've, re- I've never thought about it. I'm never, it's just always. Dollar. A lot of people call it Dollarama. 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 No, I've never heard that. I've heard uh, Dollarama. Uh, we're talking about the well known Canadian dollar store, Dollarama. When, and we've talked about them on this show before. We both frequented often. When Dollarama opened, everything was a dollar, unless marked otherwise. Some things would be a buck fifty, whatever. Then they started introducing $2 things and $2.50 and $3. Uh, they've just announced their pr- uh, not a price increase, but a new tier of pricing. Dollarama is going to be selling products that are valued at $5 and under going forward. I, we, I've said this before on the show, but their name kind of pigeonholes them into like mm-hmm. selling things that are a dollar and inflation kind of makes it so that if, if, they stuck with that in no time. They'd only be selling like, you know, like uh, little tiny pieces of candy and stuff because nothing really costs a dollar anymore. Um, they're kind of moving away from that and they're heading more towards the Walmart. Like the poor man's Walmart is what I've yeah. called it often. Yeah. And, and they sell everything. Like there's so much stuff there and it's brand, and a lot of it now it's like, and this wasn't so much the case early on. A lot of it is brand name stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's why they're kind of creeping towards that one-stop shop uh, Walmart arena, you know, where Walmart's pricing is is considerably lower than a lot of the other retailers as well. And, and Dollarama's is even lower than that. But Dollarama doesn't offer the amount of, of product that Walmart does. Yeah, but it's kind of like... So thinking of like history kind of in Canada, we would have like Sears and that was like a bit higher. And if you went in and bought, you know, stuff for your kitchen, it would cost you a bunch of money for, you know, um, you know, what are those things called? You flip pancakes with a spatula. Yeah. So you get a spatula at Sears and let's just say it cost you $18. You would go to Walmart and you would get a comparable spatula. Maybe it'd be $9. You go to Dollarama and you get a comparable spatula for two dollars and that's mm-hmm. kind of how you know how i've always how i've always seen it uh dollarama is coming in with the lowest price stuff but it for the majority of it is it's cheap plastic crap mm-hmm. that's not going to last you in fact before we started recording tonight one of the lights i keep on my desk to light up my keyboard it wouldn't turn on and i couldn't figure out why i realized it just died and, I, and then i thought to myself i bought this at dollarama of course the little light thing yeah. died um but do you think like going to a five dollar price point do you think this is going to affect them are people going to 
protest outside of Dollaramas across the country? No, I don't think so. I think people are going to keep shopping there as long as the prices are lower than most places. But mm -hmm. this is an opportunity for other, uh, you know, quote unquote, dollar stores to step up and, um, you know, attract more customers that would normally shop at Dollarama and would now move over like, you know, you know, maybe places like that could be like, you know, Dollarama is ripping you off. We're still selling things for two bucks here. <laughs> um, that'd be an amazing slogan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's any way around it. I think things just cost that much. If you look at, you know, the price of gas, it's double what it was a year ago, at least. Uh, they use gas to ship all this stuff, of course, to Dollarama. So just like that is just one example of how inflation is driving the cost to bring these goods to those stores. Uh, I think it's impossible to maintain a wide selection of stuff and have the kind of service you'd expect and quality that you would expect, I guess, from the Dollarama for, you know, $2 for an item. I think $5 yeah. is just like the, everything else costs so much money uh, and, and inflation is soaring right now. I think this is just kind of a... Um, a symptom of that but it seems like dollarama is kind of trying to pitch it as like and this allows us to bring in you know higher end goods and better stuff but no i think it's just a straight up inflation thing i don't think you're going to notice any difference mm, in the store i don't think it's a just an inflation thing with dollarama though you know i think it's you know this is a this is a big company you know you have shareholders and mm -hmm. um where they're looking at how they're looking at how many more customers they've been gaining, you know, in the past year or two, you know, especially since COVID, um, where more and more consumers are price conscious and they're shopping more at Dollarama. And they're like, if we raise the prices just a little bit, you know, we'll offset this inflation, but we'll also make more money at the same time. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. now we're kind of locking in a, a bigger clientele than we, than we had several years ago. Hmm. Uh, it's interesting to see how this goes and where it goes, but I think it's kind of like at Tim Hortons. Uh, what happens is every so often you go there and there's a little sign on the counter and it says, you know, due to things beyond our control, the price of this and that, uh, our coffee is seeing a, you know, a seven cent increase, let's say per coffee or something like that. And people get up in arms. There'll be an article online that people are unhappy that the price of coffee is going up despite Tim Hortons making a ton of money. And then the price goes up and a week later, everybody forgets until, you know, a year later, they do it again. I think this yeah. is just, it's just Dollarama is in the news right now because that, since their prices are so low overall anyway, that having that new number of $5, it makes it seem like a bigger, a bigger jump, but it's still mm -hmm. super low quality, low, low price stuff like this, whatever dollar Ram is selling for five bucks, you'd probably buy almost the same thing for nine bucks at Walmart, like I said. So it's, I guess it's going to be hard to complain, but um, mm -hmm. actually what this may be a good transition to, uh, so we just talked about inflation. Um, let's talk about government blowing money despite rising fuel costs rising housing costs uh skyrocketing inflation or soaring inflation uh the canadian government seems pretty unfazed by it um do you know about the covid alert app aaron yes i do i have it 
Do you really? Because so you're one of the few people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got it right away as soon as it came out. Very responsible of you. Uh, for people who don't know, and I didn't know anything about this until I started realizing, until I learned how much money the Canadian government spent designing an app that people could download on their phones to indicate if they had COVID, and then the app would tell their contacts who also had the app that you know someone in their network has COVID. Um, the government spent a tremendous amount of money building and designing that ad, but I think or that app. But they spent like just as much money marketing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are the overall the thing was a complete flop, waste of money. Very few people actually used it, with the exception of you. Um, well, I never used it in the sense that I, I didn't get COVID, so okay, well, I you, didn't I didn't put my very, tracking number into it. Very few people even downloaded it, let alone used it to report having mm-hmm. COVID. Uh, finally, the government appears to be uh, uh, taking their losses and shutting down the COVID alert app. Let me read you some of the background on this. Canadian government shutting down COVID alert app, insider sources say. The federal government will be shutting down the COVID alert app and may do so as early as this week, government sources have told CBC News. The sources spoke to CBC News on the condition that they not be named because they're not authorized to discuss the matter publicly. The Globe and Mail first reported this news. The the phone app, which was launched in the summer of 2020, is designed to alert users to possible COVID-19 exposures. Users who have tested positive for the virus use a one-time key on the app to report their diagnosis. Their phones then exchange codes with other phones that have the app installed and notify those who have been within two meters of an infected person for 15 minutes or longer. The federal government encouraged the use of the app throughout the pandemic. The app doesn't collect personal information such as locations, addresses, and phone contacts. COVID Alert has been downloaded just 6.8 million times, which is kind of a lot, but Mm -hmm. it's been used only 57,000 times with these one-time keys to report an infection, according to the government. Canada, despite only 57,000 cases being entered into the app, Canada has had just under 4 million COVID infections. So a very small percentage made it to the app. Um, Experts have questioned the app's effectiveness in limiting the spread of COVID-19, saying it would have required far more downloads and and far more information from users in order to work. The emergence of the more infectious Omicron variant may also have hurt the app's ability to track infections. Users in British Columbia, Alberta, Nunavut, and Yukon are unable to get one-time codes to report COVID infections. And there has also been confusion about whether or not the app is even functioning. Now, here's the kicker. The app itself cost $20 million. Most of that money, 15.9, was spent on the promotion and the advertising, while $3.5 million went to developing and maintaining the app. So all in, $20 million was spent to have it downloaded by under 9 million people. So they could have paid people $2 each to download this app and they would have come out on ahead. Yeah, that would have been, you know, get a $2 credit on your phone bill or something. Yeah, uh, $20 million was spent to design, advertise, and maintain the app with only 57 thousand cases entered they could have been paying these people like hundreds of dollars to enter your covid uh, diagnosis into this app that's a 
for government, 20 million dollars isn't a ton of money, but man, that is that money could be better used. I well, I, I guess yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty though. That's the thing. Like the idea, you know, theoretically is great. You know, like you you get diagnosed with COVID, you enter in your code, and then it alerts people, you know, who were around you that. You know, they were in close contact with someone who has been recently diagnosed. And then, you know, especially for all the kind of cases that were, you know, didn't show symptoms and maybe didn't even know that they had COVID, you know. But I, I guess I was naive. Like when, 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 when it first came out, I downloaded it right away because, you know, I was like, well, that's a great idea. And then I was just under the assumption because the government was talking so much about it. And I guess naively, I thought when you test positive for COVID, part of the procedure of like, okay, what we're going to get you to do now is download this app and enter in your code and, you know, kind of walk them through that every time somebody tests positive. Mm, like as part of it. Yeah, like make the app a part of the official kind the of official kind of. Pro procedure or whatever. yeah the, the the official government procedure of every person who tests positive for covid and i kind of thought that was what was going to happen or and, and now that i think about it that would take a lot of legwork i guess to kind of institute nationwide um so they went with mm -hmm. the approach of just kind of having a marketing campaign and and having the general public handle it themselves which which is probably not gonna really work well, I hadn't heard about the app, so I don't you know where they... heard about it. I heard about it quite a bit. No, I've ignored it since like this COVID, every COVID related thing I've ignored since about a month into COVID. So oh, maybe, really? okay. maybe the app started after I tuned out and blocked the word COVID from all of my uh, news feeds. Yeah. See, I would watch the COVID updates, you know, every day and, you know, during, during the, the peak times, you know, when there was lockdowns and when the numbers were spiking yeah. and. I'm not doing that anymore. We're just kind of living with it now. But. Yeah, but I think um, for an app like that, there could there could be a way it could work. But I think no matter what, people would be so against um, the privacy implications of it. Because I think for that app to work, it would need a lot more information. Like for example, if it was yeah. if it was say if it was a part of the official process and like maybe your health card number or something was like you know, was your account number in this app and you test positive and automatically like when they enter it in at the health system, it lets your app know and using your location services, let other phones that are near you know that they were near someone. But that is just like, as far as the privacy implications of that, you'd be, you'd need to give the government so much access to your location services and all this stuff on your phone. And people aren't going to do that. People didn't want to wear a mask. I know, but like we all have phones, right? Mm -hmm. Like all of these apps, it, you know, that, that track this and that, it, it's, it's, it's redundant at this point. You have a phone, you're trackable. You know, your information is being shared. It doesn't matter if you submit to an app or download this or that or whatever. It's what you have a phone now, you are completely trackable it's and true. are being tracked. Like there's no... Either you get rid of your phone and are untrackable or mm. you have a phone and are always tracked. You know, I've submitted to it 
um, mm -hmm. because I have a phone and it doesn't matter what I do on it. It doesn't matter what I download, what I don't download. Mm -hmm. You're being listened to all the time on your phone and you're being tracked all the time on your phone, not specifically by one individual, but like just the system is is tracking where you're going. It's it's keeping a, a record of where you're going, what you're doing, yeah. what you're saying. It just is what it is. You know, downloading one new app is not gonna make the you know, one drop of water is not gonna make the ocean any wetter. <laughs> I'm I'm glad the government like shutting it down at this point only makes sense. Uh, but the damage is already done. They've spent their money. Yeah, it and like early in the pandemic, it's it's a great idea. It's just you know, how far are you willing to go to institute it properly? And and the question was they weren't willing to go far enough. I just kind of downloaded it and assumed that, you know, when someone got diagnosed with COVID, they would be told to download the app and enter in their number as part of the procedure, so that most people are doing it you're still going to get some people that won't but mm. most people were doing it but but people most people didn't even know the app existed apparently mm -hmm. let's move on uh we have some this is a true nightmare story to discuss uh it seems like it's going to be one of those kind of like urban legends. This is a true story. Uh, this will be um, a Canadian crime section. Let me roll the intro to that. This week in Crime in Canada. This is a story that takes place in Saskatoon. Uh, and this story is enough to make it that I can pretty confidently say I will never go to Saskatoon unless the person responsible for this is arrested very soon. No, you're you're not a risky man at all. You're just not when it those odds of one in however many hundreds of thousands of people live there. When it comes to getting stabbed randomly with a syringe, yeah, I don't want to take my chances. Mm -hmm. It was a regular Tuesday morning for Gary Barr, who was sitting at his usual spot at Yan's place. That was until a stranger walked up to Barr and stabbed him with a syringe. It felt hot, eh? Or like a little taser or something like that so i i didn't know what happened to me by the time bar realized he was just stabbed he noticed his attacker over his shoulder ran around went around behind me and uh scooted out the door he yelled back at me get yourself tested once police arrived bar was advised to go to hospital where staff decided against giving him a drug cocktail that would have made him extremely sick and damaged his kidneys so now he's playing a nervous waiting game, undergoing blood tests every few months, hoping for the best. Sometimes you expect, you know, somebody wants to steal your your cell phone or your wallet, but to just out of the blue, you know, stab you with a with a sharpie, it's just uh, unheard of, eh? Barr says he's not afraid to go out, but he won't be going out alone anytime soon. And, you know, have friends around me because I don't think they would uh, attack you. Uh, you know, if you're you're in a group, but when you're by yourself, you know you're kind of a, a target. Did you watch the video? Um, no, I I saw like the um the still image picture, yeah, okay. the still image of it. The video is just it just shows this random man. It could be either of our fathers, just like sitting at a bar. It could never be my father. It could. Um, my father would never do that. Okay, well, it could have been. Let's say if our parents would stop and get a drink at a at a pub 
alone. Uh, it could be uh, it could be them. He's just. Oh sitting... wait, are you talking about the person who got stabbed? Could be one of our fathers. Yeah, the stabber. I thought you were saying the stabber could be. No, of... no, no. My dad would never. <laughs> That's what I was <laughs> saying. I was like, my dad doesn't even own syringes. <laughs> so, either of our dads could be sitting alone at a pub having lunch, you know, on on a break yes. from work or something. Mm-hmm not they, like not paying attention to anybody just looking at a you know a newspaper or their phone or whatever the case may be this guy walks in and just as he walks past him you just see him hit him in like the side with his fist and you kind of see the guy who gets hit like kind of react and look around but you can tell he's kind of like what just happened and then the other guy that did the stabbing just walks off and the video has no sound. You have to read the article to realize that as the guy walks out, he yells back, go get tested. And that is friggin' scary, eh? Yeah, yeah. And it's and it makes you wonder, like, if, if somebody was truly looking to stab someone with a syringe that has infected blood in it or whatever, like if their intention was to infect an individual, why would they then yell out, go get tested? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, if, if it's to infect them, once you've stabbed it and stabbed them with it anyway, they've already like they're infected if they were going to be infected. So giving them a warning isn't going to prevent them from catching whatever you would be giving them or not. I think it's just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just so they realize what what you did. I don't know. I I don't know yeah, why you. Yeah, I would mean, yell hopefully, at. hopefully the syringe doesn't have anything in it or on it um, or on it. Or I don't, you know, I don't know if there was blood in it. I don't know if it was just a, a used needle that would have dry blood on it. Oh, it's the the thought is horrific. Like, where does the guy get the needle? Did he use it himself to shoot up drugs? Did he find it out in an alley somewhere and he just picked it up? Mm. He's like, I'm going to stab someone with this. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of questions there. I've yeah. heard of this happening before. I've heard stories like it, but never yeah, saw stories. video. Like never saw. I've never video. seen a video. No, no, I've never seen a video or anything. I just have heard about it. You know. I I wonder what this drug. They said they the guy who got stabbed. They offered him like a drug cocktail that could damage his kidneys. I think I remember hearing a story about. Um, I can't remember who told me this, but if you get stabbed with a, a certain types, or if you get like a certain kind of infection. Uh, like infected blood or whatever in you, you have a certain amount of time that there's like real heavy drugs you can take that can prevent you from like catching AIDS or something like that. But it needs to be done super quick and it can really mess you up. Mm-hmm. I wonder maybe if that's what's going on. Yeah, I would assume that that's, I heard about that too. And I, I assume that's what they were talking about. But that just the mm-hmm. idea of that is, oh, like someone's, if I got stuck with a needle, if I was this man and that happened to me, that would ruin my life. Um, for a very long time well you'd be just like you say the waiting game that you'd be playing um and it can take like months and months and maybe i think even years before you you can find out that you have some serious diseases or whatever that yeah well i think like with hiv like it's it's not even going to show up in a test for a few months oh man so yeah, you'd have to go back every couple of months to get tested for a while before you would consider yourself in the clear. I guess that's horrifying. Uh, no, it's terrifying. Yeah, like it's you know. So it's it really depends on 
this individual who did the stabbing like is it just the psychological aspect of it where they're like you know we can i'm just going to stab them with this empty syringe and make them think that they have to go get tested you know all the time and blah 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 or was this a dirty syringe that they're just like i'm gonna jab this person with it because i'm that's that's where my money's on because i think the type of person who would just stab someone at random with a syringe yell go get tested and take off they're not someone who's going to like open a fresh like a syringe outside of the bar and carefully mm. handle it and walk in it's it's just some nutcase and the, the fact that this happened like it's it's just like getting hit by lightning for this man that was sitting there and it's like it it could have been anyone there was no provocation or anything it's just someone for whatever reason decided to do this and just walked up to him and did it and yeah. whoever it is i hope they're caught very quickly and i don't think any kind of justice for something like this will be equatable to what this poor old guy's going through over the next few months waiting to find results oh, of all totally. these blood tests yeah totally yeah because like what would you even be charged with like you know assault with a weapon or whatever and that's like oh, can, i'm sure there's a there's a list of things you could probably throw that under either way like i think like this it's so horrific to me that this person should have a life sentence without ever having parole they should lock them up and throw it away the key uh because it's just such a evil thing to do to somebody yeah yeah no it's it's pretty ruthless all right well um we usually don't go out on a dark note we need something light oh i got something well, for you oh well i also heard i saw some posts or something being shared about the uh the guy who was exposing himself and tim just, horton <laughs> i was just about to bring that up yeah that's how we can go out so last week we talked about the drive-through pervert which was the guy who showed who who committed acts of indecent exposure in a tim hortons and mcdonald's drive-through in uh dartmouth the area of halifax uh it is in the news again today because they haven't found who did it. So the Halifax Regional Police um, released surveillance video, or not video, a, a surveillance photo, which is a good quality, clear photo of this creep's face. And it's uh, it's being spread far and wide around the internet. Uh, mm -hmm. I think this guy is going to be busted. Unless he came from some other part of the world to show his penis to people in the drive-thru in Halifax and quickly left to whichever other part of the world is uh, disconnected from here. Because it's uh, I've seen posts that have been shared, you know, a thousand times kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I was actually able to see his face this time. and He yeah, looks creepy. No. It yeah, was, it looks like someone who would who would show their penis at a drive-thru. Yeah, well, either way, it's uh, again, this is something also that comes up on the show a lot, is if you commit a crime that people find amusing in any way, it's like you're going to get busted because it gets shared. This guy is going to get caught because the crime is so salacious that people are going to share his photo as like the drive-thru pervert. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you think he, I think he would have a better chance of getting away if he had have done it at like a Robin's Donuts. Just the fact that it's Tim Hortons and McDonald's, people are so quick to share like any kind of weird story that involves those places. That's yeah. going to, that's going to raise the profile of this, uh, indecent exposure. Uh, hopefully this guy gets help.
Yeah, hopefully, yeah, absolutely. Because he's if not it's... very old. He looks 25-ish, I think. Is what... Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. He looks young. And, I mean, not that there's a specific age for drive through indecency. Kind well, of. I wouldn't think it'd be 25. I would think it'd be something like some creepy old guy would do. Well, so you're kind of uh, pigeonholing the elderly into being the cre- you know the, the the demographic who's who's capable of this kind of mischief. You know what? I think if ten people go through the drive-through and expose themselves to the drive-through staff, the median age, like the average age, I think is going to be late sixties. Really? Yeah. Well, this proves you wrong completely, though. This is a young, this is an outlier, you know, virile individual who. <laughs> That's why I'm so concerned because I, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. It's an anomaly. And so if this was a 70-year-old man, you'd be like, oh. Another? Just, yeah, just throw him on an island. <laughs> well, I think uh, we'll be providing an update on this case soon. This dude's, uh, I think he's having a pretty bad day today. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, Aaron. Well, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap it up. Uh, until next time. Until next time, Jordan. Uh, don't. Stop waste your money on an being crazy so app. bad to the elderly i want to thank you for joining aaron and i for our keep canada weird discussion but before we part i want to give some thanks first a big thanks to aaron for sharing an evening with me and with you the listeners of nighttime a big thanks to the internet's favorite cult leader unicole for supplying the intro and outro voiceovers But most importantly, I want to give a massive thank you to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, please listen on the premium feed. For about the price of a cup of coffee, you can help the show out and get more of it at patreon.com slash nighttimepodcast. And with that said, I want to thank the newest subscribers of the premium feed. Greg, Rin, and Duke, thank you for going premium. If anyone else would like the show but can't do it with a premium feed subscription, you can give me a huge hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, if you want to give feedback on the show, or if you'd like to contribute a voice memo to Aaron and I, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com contact. We hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte.